It's the Emeritus with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome, I am Kim Munson, and we've got a big show planned for you today. It is a Monday, so happy Monday to all of you. Thrilled to have in studio with me uh, my good friend, Roger Bianco. It's great to have you here. Good morning. Thank you for having me again. And we're going to be talking about property rights. You've done an excellent piece that we are uh, publishing today at Americhicks.com, as well as Zach will be pushing it out on Facebook regarding property rights and this whole thing with Tom Steiner. Tom Steiner, yes, absolutely. And uh, so we'll talk about that in the third and fourth segment. In the second segment, we'll talk with Derek Schuler. He is... uh, uh, the executive director with the Sint Classical Academies, and uh, they uh, are public charter schools, and they're getting kicked out of the Douglas County School District. So I think it's going to be interesting to talk about that. Oh, yeah, well. talk about getting kicked out of school. Hey, yeah. Steve, did you ever get kicked out of school? What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking that your mother probably had a a very close relationship with the principal. Is what I was thinking. Actually, not. I I developed this. Uh, and it was brought to my attention by several mm-hmm. classmates over the years. I had this knack for instigating trouble, but backing out. You're the one that didn't get caught. Just, yeah. Oh. At the right time. Oh, there's a talent to that. And they, how do you do that? And I, I don't know. It, it is a talent. And I know that some kids do have that talent. So anyway, it'll be important to uh, listen. You know, this is a very, very important conversation. You won't want to miss that. Uh, so. Ultimately, you know, when we are looking at these issues, we are looking at them as freedom versus force or force versus freedom. Socialism ultimately comes down to force. And, Roger, if it's a really good idea, you probably don't have to force people to do it, huh? Well, absolutely. And why would it be? I always think about it, the difference between government force and market forces is kind of like organic versus you know, genetically modified. <laughs> All sorts of people want us to eat non-genetically modified organic food. We want non-genetically organic, non-modified government. Okay. Well, I, I have to say that I'm actually, I'm okay with the GMOs personally uh, as far as from a market standpoint. Yeah, yeah. If, uh, if somebody develops a, a unique product like that cantaloupe or that, mel- that Al Melon that Bob sent us from uh, Michigan last week, it was a cross between cantaloupe and a honeydew melon, it was delicious, and people can vote with their dollars to yeah. buy that. Uh, however, if it comes down to a government force, that is not organic or not organic. GMO, any of those organic kinds of life. things. Organic life, how about that? It. You got it. So, and we are seeing the socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. And that's why the conversations that we are having here are so important. Yeah, well, we hope people are uh, tuning in at such an early hour. We know they are, and thank you for doing that, everyone. And Hopefully we add value. 
Well, and for those of uh, those of your family members or friends that don't get up to hear the show at 6 a.m., you can hear it again from 10 to 11 p.m., and uh, more and more people are listening to the podcast as well, downloading those. Uh, I, admittedly, that's how I listen to you. Is that how you do yeah, that? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Well, good, good. Uh, Monday, first of all, I want to say to thank you to producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie for your support and your good work. Uh, Steve, greatly appreciate you. It's a Monday for us and uh, yeah. get, getting all the gears going. And thank you to each of you listeners out there. You are valued. You're treasured. And you have a purpose. And uh, so let's go ahead and jump into what's going on. First of all, there, I think something, I'm not going to totally say what's going on. I think something really interesting is going to happen today regarding an organized effort to go after Tabor, the Taxpayers' Bill of Rights. Roger, you know that uh, there's probably going to be on the 2019 ba- uh, uh, ballot here in, in uh, November, uh, Proposition CC, which is takes a big bite out of Tabor. And Tabor is the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. It was put in place It's a, in the Constitution by the people of Colorado, and it's basically good manners. It says, hey, PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, if A, you want to raise our taxes, B, you want to incur debt that we have to pay off, or C, if you want to keep our tax refunds and we'll give you uh, a, a certain amount of growth, that's population plus inflation, anything above that... You just have to ask us. And you know what? They're trying to finagle ways to not have to ask us. Well, and I think it's interesting, too, because Coloradans do not pay just taxes at the state level. Right? We pay taxes at the national level. We pay taxes at the local level. And your total tax burden is a, is a gross of all three of those things. Mm-hmm. So as, as people are considering Tabor and these, uh, which will result in tax increases, the, voting for Tabor is, this reduction in Tabor is like voting for a tax increase. Mm-hmm. They should consider how much it's going to impact them on all three levels. Our, our school district just recently passed a uh, mill levy override, so there was an increase in taxes on us there. That's got to be factored into the math on what I'm willing to pay and not willing to pay. Well, you can look at your cell phone bill. There's taxes on there. You can look at your, if you have cable, there's taxes there. And gas. Tax, gas, tax. So anyway, uh, stay tuned on that. But Natalie Minton is having her second training in regards to Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. It will be on Saturday, September 14th at the Lone Tree Library. Uh, Check in at 1030. The event will go from 11. For sure, you'll be out by 3. The cost is $20. And, uh, you know, we need to arm ourselves with these ideas and get out there and protect them. Uh, each of us needs to do at least one thing a day to, uh, to make sure that we are protecting this American idea. So go to coloradoengaged.com. That's coloradoengaged.com for more information on that. Next, Roger... I am absolutely thrilled. I get to be the MC at the main event at uh, the Grand Lakes U.S. Constitution oh, very good. Week. And it will be from September 16th through September 21st. And it is, it's a fabulous event. This little town, yeah. I mean, it is, and God is showing off at Grand Lake. I mean, it is so beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. there. And uh, Tom Goodfellow and his team, they are putting together an amazing event. Dr. Thomas Cranawitter will be kicking it off on September 16th. And then at the end will be Kevin Sorbo, who is the Hollywood actor. He yeah. did, he was Hercules. Yeah. Hercules. And uh, he's actually a conservative actor yeah. in Hollywood, which is kind of an oxymoron one, these days. One of the few. And uh, so he's going to be the keynote speaker. And I talked to Tom Goodfellow this weekend, and they have they have a parade. It's such a it's a, such a 
taste of Americana. There's a parade on Saturday. And uh, I'm going to get to ride in the uh, car with uh, Kevin Sorbo. I'm oh, so excited cool about that. that. That'd yeah. be great. And uh, so there's big um, fireworks that evening, and it is a great week to go up to U.S. Constitution Week in Grand Lake. For more information, go to GrandLakeUSConstitutionWeek.com. That is GrandLakeUSConstitutionWeek.com, and I'll be looking for you. I'm going to go up on Friday, and I'll be there through Sunday. Um, next thing, our for inspiration. I went to Friedrich von Hayek, uh, F.A. Hayek, and uh, he was uh, often referred to as F.A. Hayek, and he was an Anglo-Austrian economist and philosopher best known for his defense of classic liberalism. And he shared the 1974 Nobel Memorial Prize in Economic Sciences with Gunnar Myrdal for his pioneering work in the theory of money and economic fluctuations. And this is what he said. He said, what our generation has forgotten is that the system of private property is the most important guarantee of freedom, not only for those who own property, but scarcely less for those who do not. It is only because the control of the means of production is divided among many people acting independently that nobody has complete power over us, that we as individuals can decide what to do with ourselves. And I, I thought you'd probably like that, Roger That's Bianco. the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. Not necessarily, despite many people's best efforts, not necessarily the way it's trending. In America right now, yeah. 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 So that's why we're going to talk about Tom Steiner here. Tom Steiner and and how it links back to the Federalist Papers because there's a direct link. A direct link. Really? Yes. Okay, because this is Big Vino and Veritas Week. Yeah, this is fabulous. Last night was uh, in Castle Rock was our Vino and Veritas, our study of the Federalist Papers. Dr. Thomas Cranawitter is just, he really does a super job on that. And then tonight will be in Centennial, tomorrow night in Fort Collins. And just just a note, each of the uh, groups, they're on a little different track. And so last month at the Centennial one, uh, Dr. Cranawitter talked about slavery. Mm-hmm. And it was absolutely fascinating. You could have heard a pin drop yeah. because he didn't sugarcoat it. Uh, the thing that the narrative that is missing right now as we're seeing this this whole thing about slavery in America right now. And you pro- you might have seen that the New York Times is, is going to be pushing out this uh, Project 1619, which is, is designed to di- divide us. It was 400 years ago that the first slaves came over in 1619. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to go after that narrative to once again trash America. Right. Uh, and the important thing to understand is, is that slavery was prevalent throughout the world, throughout history. Right. And, and, uh, and it was imported to the United States. And it, we declared our independence in 1776. And as Dr. Cranawitter said, if we believe that each person has an inalienable rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, that created a problem. It's inconsistent. And so they had to grapple with that. And uh, so this institution that was throughout history, there was black on black uh, slavery. There was white on white slavery. And and um, it was unique that this this group of of people uh, hanging on the eastern seaboard of the United States said, well, if we believe this, then we can't have this. Right, Right. And within 70 some years. They went to war to settle that question. Yeah. So it is so disingenuous that the New York Times and, and, and these politicians are pushing forward this, this slavery narrative instead of actually being honest about the complete thing. So, yeah. so with that, 
Dr. Cranawitter talked talked about how the Federalist Papers addressed slavery at the Centennial Vino and Veritas last month. And you could have heard a pin drop mm-hmm. because he did not sugarcoat it. Right. But then he went on to explain what these guys did about it. Yeah. And uh, Christy Whaley, my good friend, afterwards she came up, she said, I've fallen in love with America all over again. <laughs> so to that, uh, in Great. Castle Rock, next month, Dr. Cranawitter will be giving that particular um, uh, um, presentation regarding slavery. And if you would like to attend that, e- uh, go to my website and uh, you can sign up. We'll get get you um, connected on that. I'm pretty sure we're going to sell out for that. I would recommend not to miss it. And uh, so, again, that go to americhicks.com and you can sign up there. Yeah, Dr. Cranowitter is one, nothing short of one of the very few, if not the only remaining leading expert in the Federalist Papers. Um, he has a series of podcasts where he talks about those. Mm-hmm. At speakeasyideas.com. At, at Speakeasy Ideas and uh, on the Speakeasy Ideas web podca- podcast. It, it, it's... Uh, yeah, that, well, everything you said, it will be tremendously disingenuous for the New York Times to do this and just not – they'll have a two-dimensional layout of slavery. They won't dig in. They won't discuss the uh, moral wrestling that the founders did and how they how they implemented that into the, into the Declaration of Independence, you know, the, the, the pushback against slavery. I always like to say the founders put a number of nails in the coffin of slavery even leading up to the Civil War. They certainly did. Yeah. And uh, and really the only other person that was really, uh, you know, um, doing something about this was Wilbur Wilberforce over in Britain yeah. who was working to get rid of the British slave trade. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, everybody else had their chance, you know, throughout history. It wasn't until the founders who are totally getting trashed all the time by the mainstream media and in academia. It was only these guys that really stood up against it. It's so it's so unfair. It it was really it it had to be an interesting time, to say the least, Um, be it that they were slave owners, many of them. But but the thing is that a lot of them weren't. The northern colonies didn't have slavery. They, they had outlawed slavery. Many of them had outlawed slavery. It didn't mean racism didn't exist, but slavery as an institution, as I understand it, wasn't part of a lot of those northern colonies. Right. And that's kind of what it, one of the things that set up the dividing lines for the Civil War. Uh, and, and a lot of people just say, well, all the founders were, were, were slave owners. Well, no, that's factually inaccurate. They weren't. And there were many of them that were abolitionists and many of them that were slave owners. And Virginia seemed to be kind of the, right. the fighting ground for a lot of these ideas and the, 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 the kind of the epicenter of deliberation. Deliberation. There's a word that our politicians could could use a little bit more yeah. of. How yeah. about we think and talk? Well, that yes, and uh, and then some of the the guys that were slave owners actually did manu yeah. had what manumute their slaves. I think that free their slaves. Free their slaves. Yeah. So it's uh, you know when you have a, an institution like that that you're you're working you're deliberating on, it's not instant, but it's amazing that just within seventy some years. You know, they went to war to figure that out. Yeah. So, so let's have a little uh, serious subjects today. Uh, so we've I've, a little levity, okay? And Roger, the kids are going back to school. <laughs> they have gone back to school. Yeah. So a kid called up his mom from college and asked her for some money because he had run out of his. And his mother said, sure, sweetie, I'll send you some money. You also left your calculus book here when you visited two weeks ago. Amazing. <laughs> Forgot about that. Huh? Do you want me to send that up too? Oh, he says, yeah. Okay, mom. And so the mother wrapped the book along with the checks up in a package and went to the post office to mail the money and the book. When she gets back, her husband asked, well, how much did you give the boy this time? She said, oh, I wrote two checks, one for $20 and the other for 1000 
That's $1,020, yelled her husband. Are you crazy? She says, don't worry, honey. I taped the $20 check to the cover of the book, but I put the $1,000 check somewhere between pages, the pages in chapter 19. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never see it. (laughs) So we're going to go to break. Speaking of school, when we come back, we... uh, We'll be talking with Derek Schuler. He is the uh, director of Ascent Classical Academies, and they're getting uh, kicked out of the school district. So let's uh, find out why. We'll be right back. Looking for an awesome place to host your draft party? Look no further than Hooters. With tons of TVs, free Wi-Fi, world-famous wings, and ice-cold beer, you're probably thinking, it doesn't get any better than that. But wait, at Hooters, it does. Every Fantasy League gets a free draft kit and over $200 in Hooters swag. Join us for Fantasy Football done Hooters style. Book now at Hooters.com slash football. That's Hooters.com slash football. See you at Hooters. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. In Fort Collins, attend Vino and Veritas at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the Americhicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland, Presidential Wealth Management Greenwood Village, Tina Francone with Straightforward Shooting, and Grand Lake U.S. Constitution Week for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at Americhicks.com. All AmeriChick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Thrilled to have in studio with me my friend Roger Bianco. Third and fourth segment, we'll be talking about property rights, and in particular, Tom's Diner. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. It will be. But we have on the line with us Derek Schuler. He is the director of uh, Ascent Classical Academies. And I was going through headlines on Saturday night. And I, I couldn't believe it. I saw that uh, they were getting kicked out of uh, Douglas County, the Douglas County School District. Derek, what is going on? So, well, good morning, Kim and Roger. Good to be back with you guys. So, um, you know, what we've, as uh, you may, may have seen, is that we have a policy on how we have chosen, with the support of our parents, to um, help provide for the safety and security of our kids at our charter school in Douglas County. We recently met with the board chair and the superintendent of the district. And, yeah, I actually we thought it was a frank, open, um, and really a collaborative conversation. And we just disagreed on this approach, and it might be better for us to pursue another option. So, um, you know, we, we thought this was a collaborative discussion, and then uh, we were just frankly surprised to hear some comments made in public uh, last week by the district that were um, – we considered pretty inflammatory and not in the spirit of how we'd begun talking about securing kids. And, um, you know, it's being characterized that we're now being forced out of the district rather than it being a mutual decision in the interest of, of all of them. Okay, so when I'm saying you got kicked out of school, maybe I was incorrect then, huh? Well, we have definitely been asked 
to to leave the district. Uh, we are, um, and again, it's just over really a, um, just a different idea on what's the best thing to, uh, what's the best approach or what an approach to uh, secure kids at school. And also, frankly, just what do parents want? What choices should parents have and how that's done? Okay, so did you ask your parents what they wanted? Didn't you so do a poll? We've had, so we've had this, Actually, this is a program, and um, just be clear, it's, it's not something we ever intended or wanted to be very public about, but we've kind of been called out on it, unfortunately. But we've had these discussions uh, going on for about over a year. Our board um, decided to allow certain volunteer staff to be highly trained and, and um, to carry concealed at, at school. Um, so that that's really the, the crux of this issue here. Uh, We've been working very hard to implement that program responsibly. This is a program that already that schools throughout the state are already doing, and there are actually guidelines put out by um, the state on how to do this responsibly. So this isn't something that's um, it, it's not as like common, but I think in the days of uh, some of the shootings we've seen, especially at the STEM school in Douglas County this past year, our parents have been overwhelmingly in support of this in the town halls we've held about it. Well, you know, and it really comes down to, uh, you know, whose kids are they, I think. If, if the majority of the parents at a school uh, are, you know, support having staff, again, as you mentioned, are highly trained uh, to conceal carry, then uh, it seems to me like that the will of the parents should prevail. And so that is my understanding of is what is happening at this particular Ascent Classical Academy. Now, a couple of things, Derek. Um, a friend of mine was one of the, the she's a teacher's aide at the STEM school. And, uh, and with one of the, the uh, younger group of younger kids. And uh, she told me that once they realized that this was a an actual shooter at the school, uh, she and the teacher, they locked the door, they did what they were supposed to do, the protocol, got the kids all together. And as she was hearing what was going down, she realized that she would do anything to protect those kids. So she started to look around the classroom and was going through her mind, if these shooters come through the door, what am I going to do? She'd come to um, the decision that she would you know, put her life on the line for those kids. If, in fact, she uh, had, would feel comfortable going through this training, and, and I know it is very extensive. In fact, uh, the staff that goes through this training on these uh, kind of active shooter scenarios in schools, they have to actually score higher than when law enforcement uh, scores in both uh, the, the, the physical tests as well as the mental test. So these people would be highly, highly trained. And I have to ask myself, if my friend is willing to put her life on the line, why not, if she wants to make sure that she has an equalizer, that she actually has uh, the ability to conceal carry, um, you know, why should she not be able to, particularly if all the parents say, hey, I feel a lot more comfortable about that? Derek, your comment? Yeah, that, that's right, Kim, and that's uh, what we've heard from from our staff as well. There's a lot of people thinking that we're forcing teachers to carry um, teachers to carry guns at school is how a lot of people like to put it out there. And really, that has a scary ring to it. But when you get down into the reality of this, 
These are people who already carry concealed um, outside of school. They, ha- they all have concealed carry permits. They have, again, volunteered to participate in this. So they know what they're, they know what they're getting into. And to your point, a lot of them want a fighting chance. If something horrific were to happen and people want to come in intent on killing their children, they want to have a response. Uh, and as you mentioned, our staff go through uh, rigorous training. Uh, they do an annual qualification that exceeds what's required for police officers in Colorado. And it's interesting to note, while the, the district doesn't like our approach to armed staff, our training exceeds what the district requires of their own armed staff in, in Douglas County. That's that's an important point, Derek. It, it's Roger. And when you said hey, our parents want, you know, the, the the teachers and the staff there to have a fighting chance. I mean, I sat straight up because I have three kids in this district and I can't tell you how irresponsible I feel it is that the school district does not feel as if they trust teachers who are willing to do this. It's not to say that there won't be accidents, but it is to say that when someone walks into a school intent on doing harm to children, they are clearly an evil. And that evil must be immobilized. And as as a as a and I'm speaking this way because I have three kids in this district. Um, it's not right to have to live <clears throat> kind of in the fear in which which many parents in in schools all across the country, much less Douglas County, live in. Um, a fighting chance is precisely precisely what I want. Um, that that's that's mission critical. And I, I, again, I, I my concern is. You know, this is two months before a board election and the superintendent and the chairman of the board decided to make this public statement because they're trying to be political about this, which 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 is if that is the case. And I don't know if it is, but if it is the case, I find that as a parent of kids in the district disgusting. It's disgusting. Um, so anyway, I, I I sat straight up when you mentioned that and that. Um, well, yeah. and Roger, I think that I, I think you were on shortly after the STEM shooting. And if I remember right, or we'd had a conversation and you heard there was a shooting, Douglas County Schools, all of a sudden, you know, yeah. goes through your mind, is it my, <clears throat> is it my child's school? Right. And, and it, it's horrific. It's somebody's child's school, but it wasn't yours. But you and your wife are trying to get connected. You're traveling. Yeah. You're, you're feeling helpless. And uh, that, that was a really tough situation as a, as a dad. If 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 a, if a teacher and and Derek, it's it's great to hear you say that a lot of these these teachers voluntarily have done this, if not all of them, and they they have you know got their conceal and carry permit and and they they're they're but that's not enough. I, they're going to go through this training that exceeds Absolutely. the district's training for their security. Goodness, I I just don't understand why it is that the district is insistent upon. <laughs> providing the wrong kind of environment. I mean, we have to have a better environment for these kids to have this fighting chance. It, it's terrible that we even have to have this conversation, but uh, something happens in my kids' schools. I'm holding them directly accountable. Okay. Roger, and, we're not saying, and we're not saying the district's perspective on this is wrong. Um, what we're saying is that with this going on in schools, we should have all options on the table and available to deal with this. Yeah. As, as charter schools, we do have autonomy in serving our parent community. Douglas County Schools runs over 90 schools, and there are 90 schools in Douglas County that don't take this approach. 
we're the only one that does. So we're not forcing parents into our school. And there are a lot of opportunities for parents who don't want this in their school to find a great education at another place. My, you, my kids, by the way, don't go to a Ascent Classical Academy. Yeah. They, go to, they go to another school. Yeah. That's, I thought that was a good disclosure. Okay. Um, Derek, and actually, let's bring Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management. I know he's on the line. Jason, I don't know if you want to jump in on any of this, but but I know that you have a heart for protecting children as well. So, Jason, uh, why don't we bring you in on the line as well? I have a couple more things I wanted to mention to uh, Derek. So, Jason, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm, I'm good. And, uh uh, Derek, sorry, you know, you guys are going through this. It's funny, uh, my wife and I uh, were at the Douglas County School Board meeting uh, two, three years ago when you guys were trying to get your charter, and they were doing everything they could uh, to deny you. And I can't remember the fellow's name, but he went up and gave a, a really, really good argument for you guys, and then they, they reversed and approved you there at that meeting. But uh, you know, it, it was obvious. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll tell you, it was very disappointing to see how the sausage is made and how those people behave. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all for you guys, and I'm, I'm sorry this is happening, but I believe in what you're doing. I think it's a great school. Okay, Jason, thank you. And stay on the line, Jason. Derek, one other thing. After the STEM shooting, I had a mom reach out to me, and she said, I am absolutely terrified uh, when I drop my kids off at school on whether or not I'll be able to pick them up alive. And she said, I hadn't really voiced this with any other parents until just recently after the STEM school shooting. And she said, I'm reaching out to you, Kim, because I think that maybe you can help me or help us. And so she and I had coffee last week, and we're working on um, we're working on something. Uh, as far as you know, I'm I'm over in the battle of ideas here. It's to to help people arm themselves with the ideas so that we can engage, uh, you, you know, in this. And uh, so we're working on something on that. But but I I think the other thing I want to mention, and this comes from my friend that has uh, uh, you know puts on this faster training is is that the faster you can stop the shooter and the faster you can stop the bleeding, the more lives that you will save. But the other component of this is, is typically the shooters are cowards. And um, if they don't know who is carrying uh, a weapon, typically they will go on to a softer target. And so it seems to me that parents should be able to have the choice if they want to, in fact, kind of quote-unquote, harden the school the way they want to. And uh, if a parent, as you mentioned, doesn't like this option, there are other options where they can send their children where they don't have trained, highly trained staff that would be uh, carrying firearms to protect their children. So it's, it's about choice instead of force. And if something, uh, and we always come back to this, and we'll do this with Roger when we get to this, is if something's a really good idea, you shouldn't have to force them. Let people make the choice. So, Derek, uh, what's your last thought on this whole thing? So, again, I, um, I I understand just the emotion that some people have around this topic, but the topic's also about kids and saving kids. And like I mentioned, is that there should be the opportunity to have all options on the table and how we deal with this. I think we can't look at... What, um, what what's going to address the issues that have already happened, but we need to be looking at what's, what we might be dealing with in the future. And that's what we're doing. And really, this is about supporting children. It's about supporting the choice of parents. 
and that's what we're hoping uh, we're able to agree uh, with, with Douglas County as we move forward. Okay, and Derek, I just got a text from a mom. She says, thank goodness for Derek Schuler." <laughs> so there, there you go for your Monday morning. If people want more information, uh, how can they get it? So if people want more information about what we're doing, um, our, the website for our school is dougco.ascentclassical.org. That's A-S-C-E-N-T, classical.org. And we have an email and a phone number up there if you want to call and get more information about the program or if this is something that you want for your family uh, and are interested in starting with our school this year. We're still, we still have some seats available, and we'd love to have you over. Okay, fantastic. Derek Schuler. thank you so much. And uh, let's jump over to Jason McBride. Jason, how are you doing? Oh, just uh, fantastic. How are you, Kim? Well, I'm doing just fine. It was good to see you and your beautiful wife last night at Vino and Veritas in Castle Rock. Well, thanks. It was good to see you, too. Yeah, I'm learning a lot from from that whole thing, Jason. And also, thank you. You know, you're a valued partner of mine, but you're also, uh, you see the importance of, of this Federalist paper study, and so you've also stepped up to the plate to help uh, Vino and Veritas as well, so thank you. Uh, yeah, of course. It's a great cause, and I'm happy to uh, do anything I can to help. Well, appreciate it immensely. So, what uh, you know, one thing I want people to know about, because we're coming into Labor Day, and once we get into September, things are going to really start ramping up. But uh, you and I are going to be doing a really fun event on September 16th at Water's Edge Winery. It's Nuts and Bolts. And uh, you're bringing in, um, uh, is it Jeff Hirsch from New York? It's going to be a really fun evening. You know, we're having special, very special evenings o- over at Water's Edge Winery. And this is going to be another one. And, and people need to sign up. And reservations are coming in at a brisk pace. So I'd recommend actually, to try to get your reservation in before Labor Day. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. And, you know, Kim, I've called this nuts and bolts because I've done workshops uh, for years, you know, probably 15, 20 years I've been doing some type of workshop or another, and I always try to make them where there's not a lot of garbage, you know, not a lot of hype in them or salesy junk. You know, I just want people to have the facts about certain subjects, and so I started calling them what I did, nuts and bolts, because it's just really kind of the nuts and bolts of the subject without the fluff, without the hype. Uh, You know, I've had a lot of people come to the ones I've put on in the past and say, boy, I've been to a lot of different ones on the same subject, but yours was the best because you just gave us the fact. So I always try to, to keep it that way. Uh, if people were wondering why we called it the nuts and bolts, it's not because I'm nuts. <laughs> I'm glad you clarified that, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's important. So go to my website, americhicks.com. You can sign up there. Uh, the Vino and Veritas is there as well. Roger's uh, great op-ed is there's all kinds of information on my website, americhicks.com. And also they can go to our, our uh, landing page. That's chickspresidential.com chickspresidential.com to sign up and i recommend that you get that done so uh, jason we'll talk to you tomorrow thanks so much have a great show kim okay uh let's go to break roger property rights this is a hill that we have to protect gotta die on this one uh, we'll be right back are you looking for news not propaganda ready for a news source you can actually trust how about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription visit completecolorado.com to see all the latest news from around colorado Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. 
updated three times a day. CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at Americhicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the Americhicks radio show. Contact us at americhicks.com or email Kim at americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I'm Kim Munson. We are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I'm thrilled to have you in studio, Roger. And man, the time goes really quickly. I want to get into this whole whole piece that you've done that we have. Uh, we've just published at americhicks.com. What difference does property make? Property rights abused in Denver. And this is the whole Tom's Diner thing. But uh, you've done a little bit of research going back. We just had Derek Schuler on with the Classical Academies. And I know children are not property. They're not property. Right. However, they are something that we are responsible for as parents and as a community to, to keep them safe. And uh, you took a quick look at some of the staff at Ascent Classical Academy. Yeah, I just, uh, when Derek mentioned the, the website, I searched it up here real quick on my, my little tablet. And I found that uh, in the upper middle school, there's half a dozen or so bios of the teachers. And I, I just figured, okay, who are these folks and would they be qualified even even independent of any kind of training that Derek and the, and the group is requiring to to have firearms mm-hmm. in the school and defend the children, one of these uh, teachers is a is a is currently an EMT. I don't know if there's any arms training involved in the EMT training, but that's certainly relevant mm-hmm. training to any incident that could occur. Another one is an Air Force veteran and a Department of Homeland Security veteran. A third teacher that I and this is just glancing at this over one page. A third is the is an Air Force Reserve. A uh, veteran and a veteran of the Air Force, was in the Air Force Reserve, then went into the Air Force, and is a veteran, if I read it correctly, of both of our uh, engagements in Iraq and the Middle East over the last 30 or so years. I mean, I, 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 it seems very clear to me that the superintendent and anyone on the board who was going into a meeting with Derek didn't, didn't factor in uh, the qualifications just organically of these, of these teachers. And Derek's going to put them through additional training on exactly. top of that. That school's going to put them through additional training on top of that. It's remarkable to now, me. Now, if I were a parent hearing this right now and knowing that they still have a few spots, I would be on the, on my computer right now trying to get my kids into that school. Yeah. Okay. But let's, let's move. We're, we're going to get jammed up on time here, Roger, because the subject that we were going to talk about is property rights. And you and I agree that this is a hill that we need to die on. The property rights is inherent in the American idea. And it is a reason 
why you can go over to a grocery store, capitalism and property rights, is you can go over to a grocery store. I stopped in, and, and the, the choices, it's just amazing. You can work hard, and you can trade your money for whatever you want in this grocery store, and there's so many options. You go down to Venezuela that used to be a really prosperous country. No matter how much money you have, you might not be able to buy anything. Right. So property rights. Uh, the piece that we have is what difference does property make? Property rights abused in Denver. And it's this whole Tom's Diner story, which it looks like uh, the Denver um, Landmark Preservation Commission. Whenever you hear the word commission, it gets me crazy um, <laughs> because they're unelected. You know, they're not accountable to the people. And they are just willy-nilly doing their will. And they were trying to take Tom's property. But explain that. Okay. So first thing I got to do is I have to say this topic is part of the uh, curriculum of the leadership program of the Rockies. Uh, there's a day where we discuss right to violate rights. And that's a question, rather. And Dr. Cranowitter delves into the Federalist Papers where they talk about property as well. Dr. Cranowitter teaches, of course, at Leadership Program of the Rockies as well. And I, should and I wanted mention, to make sure, yeah. Yeah. And I should mention that you actually are the founder of the... Leadership Program of the Rockies, a mentor group. Yeah, the mentor group where, where alumni get together and support and uh, t- students currently in the class. And I just want to make sure everyone out there knows if you have any interest in LPR, go to leadershipprogram.org. Applications are due in five days. Mm-hmm. It's the cutoff for class of 2020. So this is the type of content that you get in that program. And so uh, Tom's Diner, Tom, and, and you can read the uh, the op-ed that, that I put out there. But Tom, as I understand it, went into... Uh, but he bought this diner 20 years ago, and I believe it was an initial $800,000 investment. Now, I don't know about you, Kim, but I don't have $800,000 laying around. I can't write a check for that. So what Tom had to do was take financial risk. He had to take loans. He had to find other investors, people. He had to go into debt. He had to leverage his future. Assuming he has kids, I don't know this man, but if he has children, he leveraged not only his future but his family's future. Mm-hmm. I've been in the restaurant and banquet industry. It is nights weekends, holidays, long hours, dirty work, difficult stuff to deal with sometimes not such great customers, sometimes great customers. So for 20 years, this, this man has, has leveraged his future and his family's future and put in long, hard, arduous work to try to create, to create this, this thing of value. And just to point on that, I had lunch at Tom Steiner last week. Oh, you did? I did. <laughs> i got to go there. And yeah. you know what? They're open 24 hours a day. 24 hours. So when you're talking about what hard work that industry yeah. is, just do it 24 hours a day. I mean, anyone who's served tables will tell you that you spend your time on your feet. Anyone who's, who's tried to manage one of those places will tell you that it's difficult. It's a difficult industry to manage, and we don't have time to go into the... I've had friends that have owned restaurants. We don't have time to go into the details on that, but... It's hard work, and it was it was risky work. Um, now he has created value for years with this organization. Now that this this um, restaurant is has got this retro kind of nineteen fifties Art Deco sharp angles type of of uh, feel to it, and so. The value that Tom has created in this diner is not just the diner, but in the land. I mean, he's got this land. He owns this land. He owns this property. Now, the area, it's in Aurora, I believe. No, it's in Denver. Or it's in Denver. I'm sorry. It's, that's right. It's in Denver. Um, the, the area that where this diner is needs housing. People need places to live. So you would think that a natural out, out, you know, growth of government, given this, is that if the property owner wanted to sell this property and develop housing, given the fact that it, he should have the right to do it. In fact, that right should be protected by government, not infringed upon. But here comes the Denver uh, Landmark, pla- Preservation Landmark Preservation Commission. Commission, and a commission it is. And so what they did uh, was they reacted actually to some people in the community 
who decided that they did not want Tom to raise the diner and then build um, other other uh, uh, housing there because they like the way they feel when they go by it. And they, they think that it's a, it's a neat place and the, art, the architecture of it is, is wonderful. And so after 20 years of work and financial risk and entre- genuine entrepreneurship, these people want to swoop in at the last minute and say, no, Tom, none of that matters. It's ours. This is ours. This is our quote unquote communities. And the Denver planning, the Denver Landmark Preservation Commission decided, okay, yeah, we'll listen to you. And they voted unanimously. They voted unanimously to stop Tom from selling his diner and creating the housing that's needed for the community. Organic economic growth is what Tom wanted. And the planning commission came in and some kind of, you know, I don't know if they live in Denver or who they are, but these citizens, like I said, have to live in Denver. They said that they, they didn't want that to happen. So they violated his property rights. So then they brought this before city council. And so they brought this application to, in essence, basically take Tom's property. Yep. Uh, because what they were doing is is saying that he can no longer do with his property what he wanted to do. And as I walked over to Tom's Diner for lunch a week or so ago, I went past just a block away, um, uh, you know, some uh, apartment buildings that are going up. So how is it that this piece of land over here, it's okay, and this piece of land isn't? It's like government's picking winners and losers. Do you see how the, the word I like to use in these kinds of situations is arbitrary? This is arbitrary. People arbitrarily kind of identified Tom's Diner as a place that they like. And again, Tom, hey, we mentioned this last time, but Tom had a great quote. He said, you know, I'm, very, I'm paraphrasing him, but he said something to the effect of, I'm gl- very glad people like my diner. I wish they would have come in. <laughs> and, <laughs> and eaten and there. Eaten, yeah. <laughs> would you know, have been great. Let's go to break, Roger. Um, this is so important, property rights. And, uh, and we've not been teaching how, you know, just how inherent this is to people being able to thrive and prosper and flourish. So this is Kim Munson in studio with me. It's Roger Bianco. Go to americhicks.com to see this fabulous op-ed, and we'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GUR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, August 23rd through Thursday, August 29th, features will include Angry Birds 2, The Lion King, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steam cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson, and we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. 
thrilled to have in studio Roger Bianco, my friend. You are the the founder of the Leadership Program of the Rockies Mentor Program. Yes. And as you mentioned, if folks are interested in applying, uh, it is a very competitive process to get in. Mm-hmm. You have to apply. Uh, those applications are due by the end of this month, so the end of this week, I guess. And you need to put in an application and ha- have two letters of recommendation. Yeah, the re- letters of recommendation aren't required, but they're helpful. I mean, if someone can get them, that, that would, I mean, they're good to have, but they're not required. You can apply without the letters of recommendation. We welcome a lot of people to come in and apply for the program. And, yeah, it's competitive. I think they take... And we take 65 plus or minus people mm-hmm. and, and more than that apply. Mm-hmm. So there's an interview and all sorts of stuff. But it's, it's a fantastic experience and gives you a perspective um, that you didn't get coming through school, most likely. Really, it makes the case for the American idea, capitalism. And, Roger, I'm a graduate of the class of 2012. And uh, I, I really wanted to get in, and I wasn't sure that I would. And actually, Shari doesn't recommend this she's the but i got i think five to seven letters of recommendation okay, yeah. just because i was trying to you know stuff the ballot box you know? yeah stuff the ballot box i remember coming out of my interview i called my wife and i go honey i've been interviewed for a lot of things that was the worst interview i've ever had in my yeah it's tough <laughs> it's it tough. is tough, it's tough. So, but it's but a good it. it's a good thing to do and thank you for for putting together this mentor group but Let's jump in here, Tom Steiner. You, yeah. the pe- Well, where do you want to take us on this, Roger? Well, so, so in the op-ed, I talk about how, it, it, as I thought through this situation with Tom Steiner and, and the people in the neighborhood who decided that they wanted to lay claim to his property and the Planning Preservation Commission or whatever you want to call it that, wanted, that, that was trying to put the force of law behind that um, movement, I, I thought about a similar situation if you, and a lot of us have been in this situation where we're we're at Christmas morning and we're sitting around and you know you got the sights and the sounds and the smells of of everything that that entails and then all of a sudden you hear one child yell out mine you know really loud mine and another child say no it was a gift and they go back and forth i i thought well that's kind of the same thing happening here because when a child looks at another another child's toy and kind of covets that they feel like they have a sense of ownership over it right and and based on nothing other than an arbitrary de- declaration them grabbing the child and say uh, the toy and saying this is mine they lay ownership claim ownership over that when in actuality it is the other child's toy. The victim in this in this in this scenario is the other child. It is not um, the, the 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 child who feels like they want the toy or that they lay claim over the toy. That's precisely what this, you know. And an adult, this is an adult version of that. People walk by, they look at Tom's diner, and they think, "Oh, that's a great looking place." And then maybe they caught wind that that he's going to sell. Oh my God! I can't. You can't tear that down. We have to preserve this. This is an old building. We've got to preserve this because I like this, and this is an important blah blah blah. And so they make all of these arbitrary declarations, and then they get this stamp, this quote unquote vote from this commission, unelected people, uh, and then off you go to the Denver City Council. And so. It, it's just well, and and the commission can still do that. I know that they've withdrawn that. I'm not sure why they did it, but they they could still go to the to the city council. Um, it, it just it. I, I thought about it as a senator. This is the same thing. It's the same thing as a as a parent adjudicating an argument between two children over a toy. And there is a clear um, right and wrong in that situation. And, and as it seems, there's a clear right and wrong in this situation. And the the, the right being that Tom is the rightful owner of this property, and he should have. The right, the very real and constitutionally protected right to do with this diner what, what he so chooses. It's, it, and it, he's going to provide needed housing for the area. Um, all things do not have to be driven through government. And it seems like this um, 
government commission decided that they wanted to be the arbiter and other areas of this of the city decide they want to be determined where the housing goes or who's who's going to win or who's going to who's going to who's going to sell their property and be and make profit off of it and who's not going to i mean it's his property i just feel like the victim in this whole thing is tom after 20 years of hard work and great financial risk this kind of his kind of behavior should be protected and rewarded by government it should be protected and rewarded, meaning his, his right to do what he should with his property should be protected. His, his behavior should be rewarded, meaning he took the risk it's and he work. was the one who did the hard work. Entrepreneurship, right? That, that's what's going to lead to revitalization of a lot of these areas, not this kind of arbitrary government action. Well, and speaking of that, I am trying to slog through 300-page Blueprint Denver that was passed by Denver City Council uh, in <laughs> April. And what they are going to be doing is basically mapping out every acre of Denver. And then they have this vision of an inclusive Denver. So that means that each of these parcels uh, will need to be inclusive. So what does that mean? That means that government is going to say who, you know, they'll probably have percentages of, you know, income and and, you know, race, gender, you know, whatever. They're going to say that to have an inclusive Denver, each of these parcels need to fit into that box. Instead of, we mentioned about organic, how, mm-hmm. how people would, would actually, you know, make the neighborhoods the way they want to because they're voting with their dollars on what they, they buy. Precisely. And there, there are people who, it's not just forcing um, certain people to not live in an area, but it's forcing other people to live in an area. What if someone is part of the, I don't know, inclusive means, who knows, whatever the Denver, what if someone who fits into one of the categories that the Denver City Council decides that, or the city of Denver decides that they want to categorize them as, says, I don't want to live there. I want to live in that neighborhood. And that neighborhood is not designed to be, quote unquote, inclusive for someone in your category. Really? I mean, this is what government is is now to the point where it feels like, I mean, that's that's the strictest version of parenting (laughs) I could possibly imagine. And the funny thing about this is that it this relates exactly back. We talked earlier about Tom Craner, Tom Craner in the Federalist Papers. And we don't have a lot of time, so we'll get to this probably next time. But there was a lot of wisdom in those documents. The documents of the founding of the United States have, are often dismissed because they're old, right? Um, and, and I always, I think I might have mentioned this one of the last times I was on the show. Um, one of the things that LPR taught me, not only, but they're old, but they're timeless. M- much the same way that Shakespeare, you can't dismiss Shakespeare. There are thousands upon thousands of Shakespeare festivals every year in the United States over the summer. Um, and Shakespeare hits on things, concepts that apply just as much today as they did when he initially wrote all of those plays and sonnets. And so um, I think that's what the founders did. And, and they, there was actually in, in, in Federalist 62, why don't we end on this, Kim? Because this will give us a sense for what we can talk about last, uh, next time, which is um, this is Federalist 62 where, where Madison is talking about the need for clear, concise, and non-arbitrary government, Right. So what he says is he says, um, when you have arbitrary government of this nature, you build a building there, but not there. You can violate property rights there and there, but for two different reasons and blah, blah, you know, this is what government does. He says, what prudent merchant will hazard his fortunes in any new branch of commerce when he knows not? 
but that his plans may be rendered unlawful before they can be executed. What farmer or manufacturer, and this is the operable sentence, what farmer or manufacturer will lay himself out for the encouragement given to any particular cultivation or, or establishment when he have will have, he has no insure, assurance that his preparatory labors and advances will not render him, or he, sorry, uh, when he can have no assurance that his preparatory labors and, and advances will not render him a victim of an inconsistent government. Specifically in this paragraph, um, Madison addresses public councils. So he's not just talking about um, the national government in Federalist 62. He's talking about everything. So the point being here, what he's saying, if I can just translate this into today, he's saying um, you can't – Inconsistent government creates an inconsistent environment in which people who are creating jobs and value for other people operate. And that eventually, when it gets so inconsistent and arbitrary, people stop doing things. People stop taking the kind of risks that Tom took 20 years ago. What Madison wrote 250 years ago directly applies to Tom Designer's situation today. In my opinion, there's a lot of wisdom in that document. Nothing that can be thrown away because if we throw it away, we get situations like we have right now. You got it. Roger Bianco. We are out of time. Thank you so much. We will get you scheduled for next month again. And your op-ed is at americhicks.com. And uh, and sign up for Vino and Veritas. Go to americhicks.com and sign up there as well. And uh, F.A. Hayek said, the chief evil is unlimited government. And nobody is qualified to wield unlimited power. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America.